what's going on, everybody? And welcome to the First and Foremost Podcast with your host, Jimmy Covington. And I'm Quentin Douglas. And we're back at it again with Episode 7. Quentin, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good, Jimmy. How you doing, my guy? I'm doing good, man. Just trying to wind down these last couple weeks of classes, ready to officially graduate and not have to go to school again for the rest of my life. No doubt, bro. Two more weeks and we out of here. I'm going to wake up. me now. <laughs> man, I'm going to wake up the next morning, just stare at the wall, and just um, I'm going to just be so happy. I don't, I don't think nobody understand how ready I am to graduate. Yeah, man, no doubt. It's bittersweet. College was a good experience. Yeah, it was. It really was. But, man, uh, let's go ahead and get started today. We got some some good topics for y'all today. Uh, first up, you know, tonight uh, is the big night. It's the premiere of the the Michael Jordan documentary called The Last Dance. It's a 10-part series, and episodes one and two will be airing tonight starting at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So, Queen, man, how excited are you about this Jordan documentary? Man, I'm really excited for this Jordan documentary. Uh, you know, they allowed these cameramen to follow them around during that 97-98 that championship run. And I think it'll be real interesting just to get, like, you know, the true raw insider perspective of what went down and, you know, how that team just fell apart so fast. Because, you know, they said everyone knew internally that that would be their last year. So it'll be real interesting to see just kind of what led to that. And I think it'll be good, too, for a lot of the younger people that didn't get to see MJ play, you know. They'll really get to see what he was like during his heyday. And I think most importantly, it's going to reignite a lot of GOAT debates. It shouldn't. <laughs> Cause we, Stop it. We all, we all know who the GOAT is. But, man, when I first oh, heard about the documentary, never. But when I first heard about the documentary, bro, I was like a kid at a candy store, bro. I, I really couldn't wait because, you know, I've heard all these stories about Michael Jordan from my parent, from my dad, family members. I've heard about, you know, from guys on ESPN, players, you know, Kobe and them. And so, you know, I was always, you know, disappointed that I never got a chance to watch him play, you know, live where I could understand, you know, when they won a the championship, dude, I was a baby, you know, so we were babies. So, you know, to see, you know, some in-depth stuff about him, that's, uh, that's going to be pretty exciting. You know, the highlights and, you know, re-watching old games, it just don't do, doesn't do the justice. And, you know, I'm really excited to see, you know, get some insight on what that last season was about. You know, they dropped like a five minute preview, I want to say, on the, the other day. I know Stephen A. Smith posted it on oh, his Twitter yeah, account. I, saw that. I ain't got a chance to watch it fully, but I'm going to probably watch it before, you know, before the show starts. But, you know, you know, I heard some things about, you know, the owner, Jerry Krause, had pretty much told Phil Jackson that this was his last year. So I think it was more Jerry Krause that, that broke up their team versus, you know, those guys just breaking up on their own. But, you know, we'll find out, you know, the entire truth tonight. And I'm going to be tuned into every second. Nobody needs to hit me up. Don't nobody text me. Don't nobody call me because I can't answer. <laughs> yeah, bro, no doubt the Bulls have always had some front office issues, but I'm right with you. My phone is definitely going on Do Not Disturb, and I'm going to have me some good old snacks right there with me. And it's probably one of the most, you know, most well-known dynasties in sports history. But, you know, while we're still on the topic of dynasties, man, that moves us on to our next topic. So, Quinn. In your opinion, what's the most impressive dynasty? Michael Jordan's Bulls or Tom Brady's Patriots? Bro, I don't even think this is a debate. I think this is easily Brady's Patriots. Looking at it from basketball's point of view, and uh, basketball, every year it's always the best team wins because in the playoffs, you have seven-game series. So at some point in that series – Eventually, the best team is going to impose their will. We saw that before 91, Jordan was pretty much a one-man band, but we saw once Pippen came into his own and, you know, Phil Jackson was there, uh, we saw really how dominant that team could be. Uh, and then looking at it as well, they weren't even the most impressive basketball dynasty to exist. Looking back at the Bill Russell Celtics, they had a more impressive run of eight straight championships. So taking that taking that into its perspective, strictly from basketball point of view, I think that's why it's the Patriots. 
But now to get into why it's them, like I said, the best team always wins in basketball. But in football, you have single elimination games in the playoffs. And literally, it could come down to one play or, and you know, the Saints situations the past few years. It could be one bad referee call. But the Patriots, they've been to nine Super Bowls over a span of 20 years. Nine is more than all other NFL franchises, including the historic Steelers franchises and Cowboys franchises, who've only been to eight. But they did it nine times in a 20-year span. And then looking at Brady's dominance, he's he's been to the Super Bowl nine times, like I said. But the next closest Super Bowl appearances by a quarterback was John Elway with five. And even he only went two and three in the big game. And the next closest quarterbacks to Tom Brady's six rings are Terry Bradshaw and Joe Montana with four. So I think taking all that into account easily is Tom Brady's Patriots. Also, when you take into account their longevity and even the years they weren't in the Super Bowl, they also had four conference championship appearances where those games, some of those games could, if it had swung in their favor, those could have easily been Super Bowl years as well. So taking that to account, I think it's easily the Patriots. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, when it comes to NBA basketball, uh, you know, there's 15 guys on the roster, you know, with a head coach and assistant coaches. But I think with NBA basketball, one guy has much more, has a much more, has more, more impact on the win and loss on a win and loss record of a team. You know, one guy can really determine whether your team wins or loses on a nightly basis in the playoff and the best of seven. You know, a guy can be on for, you know, for two weeks. You know, seven-game series usually lasts two weeks. A guy could be on fire for two weeks, and, you know, there it is. You got a victory. But in the NFL, it doesn't work like that. You know, it's 53 men on the roster, you know, 22 on offense, 22 on defense. And uh, Tom Brady, you know, you can be the hot, best quarterback in the league, but if the rest of your team not coming to show up, then it's going to be a long day for you. And, you know, we've seen that over the years with no quarterbacks and, you know, and their stats and stuff like that. So I think from this standpoint, along with football, you know, it's so much roster turnover year after year. You know, this year you may have your tight end, your favorite tight end. Next year you may not have them. You may have a weaker offensive line and you may have better receiving options. So, you know, it's so much turnover, you know, in the NFL from year to year. And you think about the nine championship appearances in 20 years, I, that'll never be done again. And not to mention, he won six of them. You know, it doesn't get no better than that, to be honest with you. So I think, you know, it's easily uh, Brady's Brady's Patriots. You know, six championships in eight years is nothing to scoff at, you know, obviously. And I think they could have won eight straight had he not retired for the amount of time that he did. But, you know. Man, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, you know, in the NFL, you know, it's certain positions that guys have like a – a very big impact on the game, but it's not the way an NBA superstar has an impact on his team. Just take, you know, LeBron James, for example. You know, you can have a team that's, you know, mediocre, and he'll put you over the top just by his presence alone. He can put you over the top. But, you know, you take a you take a team that's mediocre, you can have a great quarterback, the greatest quarterback of all time, but you have one bad game, make one mistake in the playoff game, and, you know, there you go, you're out. And think about the Baltimore Ravens. They had pretty much the perfect season to get to the divisional round and they run into the, the, the Tennessee Titans, who were a juggernaut at the time, and they had the perfect plan, the perfect scheme, and Lamar had a bad day. You know, his tight ends and receivers weren't helping him out, and then there you go, they lose, and uh, you know, in the first playoff game. So, you know, like I said, you know, football is far more unpredictable than basketball. And basketball, like you said, mentioned earlier, most of the time, you know, most the best team pretty much wins most of, most of the time, you know, with the exception of, like, the 2016 Cavs, you know. I would say on paper, Golden State was better, but, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they had more heart and they had more dogs, you know, which ultimately led to, you know, them overcoming a 3-1 deficit. But, you know, you don't see stuff like that in football too often. Not too many times do you see the underdog win. You know, I, I can probably count. I think it's only been like twice where a sixth seed has won a Super Bowl, and there's a reason for that because, you know, the, the odds are pretty much stacked against you in the NFL no matter, you know, what seed you are or how good your team is, you know, Going against the field is no easy feat. Yeah, bro. I'm glad we agreed on this because I really thought you was going to pick Jordan's Bulls as having the more impressive dynasty. But 
like everything you said, I completely agree with. Cause even looking at two of those three losses, uh, nobody expected those Giants teams to be in the Super Bowl. Like they were like a possession away from having a perfect season. What was that like twenty two thousand seven? I believe if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then nobody saw that Eagles team like Nick Foles for crying out loud putting up forty one points. Like they easily could have had more than six Super Bowls, but. Like I said, I agree with every point you made, and I like we both can agree that Brady's Patriots had the more impressive dynasty. And you know, when it, when you talk about dynasties, you know there are some some college you know basketball programs that you know you might would call dynasties. But you, if you think about it, it's been hard for teams to win back to back in college basketball. When what do you can you recall the last team in college basketball that won back to back? Man. I really can't. But, like, thinking of you just saying that, I mean, look at Coach K, for instance. Duke's my favorite team. But Coach K's been coaching 40-plus years, and he only has five championships just because of the unpredictability of March Madness. And like you said, all it takes is one team with the perfect formula or one team having a bad shooting night. And just like that, you're out of the tournament. You're, you're completely correct, you know, and with that said, you know, we got some news, some NCAA news. Uh, the number one high school recruit in the nation, uh, Jalen Green, decided not to go to college, and he decided to, you know, sign with the NBA G League. Uh, it's reported that he signed a one-year $500,000 deal. And so, Quinn, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And, you know, do you think the NCAA is in trouble going forward? Yeah, man. Um, when I initially heard that, I wasn't completely shocked, but I was like, this is crazy, especially considering, you know, he's widely regarded as the number one prospect in this class. But I do believe that the NCAA is under a little bit of pressure to make some changes because not only did um, Jalen Green sign and choose to go this route, but also Isaiah Todd, who is another five-star recruit, and then keep an eye on Greg Brown as well, who's set to make his decision this Friday. He's another top 10 recruit who's heavily considering taking the G League route. Um, but the G League has this new program in place that they put. It was actually implemented a year ago uh, where they have the option for G League select contracts as a part of its professional pathway program. Um, and last year, initially the salary was 120000 but, you know, that didn't really get the the attention of too many players. Uh, but once that balloon to 500000 we see now that, like, these guys are realizing, you know, these colleges aren't, playing, aren't paying us. Uh, so this looks like a, a faster route for, you know, them to cash in on their talents. Uh, and I really, once again, I always talk about how big of a fan I am of Adam Silver. Um, and he put this into place, you know, with the thought of wanting to keep elite prospects in the country that choose to not go to college, which we saw that last year with guys like LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton, who chose to go play in Australia. Uh, but now this allows these prep players, they have the opportunity to put to play French-level NBA talent as well as get NBA-type development. And you can't really beat that. And then on top of that, they're not losing out on the education because included in his contract details, they're also paying for his college tuition. So, like, at that point, the NBA – I mean, the NCAA just once again looks really bad in this situation. And I think that this program is an excellent bridge – until I think the next CBA is in 2024, 2025, something like that. Uh, but when that kicks in, I believe that this will push the NCAA to go and eliminate the one and done rule. And I think in the future, NCAA has to be pressured to start paying athletes. I, I agree with you on all the points you just made. I think with the NCAA, you know, if I'm a college player, if I'm an elite college prospect, you know, why would I go? to college for if i'm no if i'm gonna go one and done barring injury happening why would i go to college for six months where i really 
don't want to be there. I really just want to play ball. Why would I go when I could go to, you know, like you said, play fringe NBA talent, you know, be under NBA coaching and make, you know, that large amount of money versus when you're in college, you're going to be broke, you know, depending on your financial situation with your parents. You know, you may not have that much money. So, you know, that's that's helping your pants out by going to the G League. And, you know, like I said, you're playing, you know, fringe NBA talent. So as a player, I wouldn't go to co- I wouldn't go to college if I'm that talented and I know I can make that kind of money right off the bat and get paid for my skills, like I know I should be. There's no way I go to college. And you know, like you said, he wasn't the first player. Isaiah Todd made a decision early in the week, and he had committed to Michigan previously. You said Lamelo mm-hmm. Ball and R.J. Hampton. I think going forward, that's something to look look for. I think that's something players might consider doing. You know, elite prospects. You know, I saw an article on ESPN that was talking about you know uh, 2022. Uh, for Imani Bate, Imani Bates, they were talking about whether he was going to do it too when his time came. So you know that's something to look forward to. I don't really, you know, the NCAA is in a lot of trouble. You know, it's been a, they don't pay players. Obviously, well, allegedly they don't play players, uh, but I, I believe they should. Yeah, allegedly, <laughs> I believe they should wholeheartedly. Listen, they're the players are generating all this revenue, but they're not seeing a dime of it. All you giving them is free classes and free food. You know, a free board, but like, what? What about? What if they have a child? You know, their child can't eat off their meal plan. You know what I'm saying? What if they? Get, you can't. You're not paying for the car note. You know, they got other expenses. They got to buy groceries. They have other expenses that they have to take care of at times. And just a college scholarship isn't enough. And they're only going pretty much if they're one and done. They're only going there for one season anyway. So you know, I mean, the college experience is nice. Don't get me wrong. But if I'm an elite, if I'm has that much talent, man, hey, let me get my check. To be honest with you, I want my check. And like I said, the NBA, the NBA coaching thing, I think that's the that's the biggest thing because it makes guys more prepared for for the NBA. Because you know the NBA, those guys are highly skilled. You know when you're in college and high school, you can pretty much get away with with athleticism. You can be a great player with athleticism. You know when the NBA, you know everybody's athletic, everybody's big, everybody's fast, and you need an advanced level of skill. And you see some guys that come out right away that they have that skill level, like John Morant. I think he did two years at Murray State, but he came out with a, a with an advanced. He came out with some advanced skills. Now you know that doesn't always work for every player. You know some guys have to do a couple years in college, and for that reason, if you feel like you're not ready for that, then by all means, do your their year or two in college. You know, try to you know develop your skill under some good coaching. But if you feel like you're ready for it and you're an elite prospect, why not go for it and profit off your talent? You're going to, you're going to do it anyway in like six to eight months. So why not do it earlier? Exactly, bro. And like like you said, I completely agree with every point you made. Like it's a shame the NCAA can bring in these figures like you look at recently, a Zion Williamson. They're bringing in millions of dollars to these college programs and these players are getting, like, little to nothing to, like, profit off of it. But with this opportunity, this also gives them earlier chances to, you know, sign endorsements and to make even more money. So, you know, looking at it in the future, I believe that this really is the ideal, um, the route to go for elite prospects. Because these guys, when they're in college, they don't want to be in classes. These one and done players, they don't want to be in classes. They have to go to classes essentially just to check off boxes, you know, because they have certain requirements that they have to meet to, you know, stay on these teams. Uh, and that's taken away from their time to be able to develop and actually, you know, prepare for their future of being in the NBA. So, like we both said, the, the NCAA is under a lot of pressure now, so – It'll be interesting to see if they'll make some changes on whether or not they pay players. And I know I heard you mention uh, endorsements, and I also read in that report on ESPN that, you know, I think they have like a seven-figure endorsement. It's already kind of lined. It's being lined up for them already. So, you know, think about it, You would have to wait another six to eight months for that. And say, for instance, oh, what if he didn't play? What if he couldn't adjust as well and he didn't play well that freshman year or he got injured? You know, maybe, when they, maybe that seven-figure deal is not on the table you know, like it is right now. So I think, you know, I think he made the, a perfect decision. But like I said, it's all about preference, you know, and how the player feels about his ability. If he feels like he can do it, then by all means go for it. But if you don't feel like you're ready, then go to college, and you know, and get that, get that experience, get that training, and, you know, do what's best for you. But while we're on the subject of getting paid, let's switch it over. Back, let's switch it back to the NFL. 
Carolina Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey got a four-year deal, making averaging nearly $16 million a season. Quinn, what do you think about that deal? Man, me of you, me and you've been debating this for a few days, bro. And I just don't believe he shouldn't. I'm not saying he didn't deserve to get paid, but looking at it from a team perspective, I don't think they should have paid him yet. If I'm in the front office in the NFL, my number one priority is winning championships. And we've seen how these teams in recent history, like their running backs, they're either by committee or like we saw with Todd Gurley, he was easily stopped in the Super Bowl. The last time a team won the Super Bowl with a running back with 2,000 scrimmage yards, I had to go all the way back to the 97 Broncos with Terrell Davis, and 1,700 of those were rushing. Uh, Carolina, with Christian McCaffrey as their best offensive player the last two years, have a 12-21 and 21 record. Now, I will say he's had inconsistent quarterback play, uh, which you can't blame that on McCaffrey. Uh, and I will say I like the hire of Matt Rule and Joe Brady along with the addition of Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, but this team is clearly in a rebuild. They've just lost too many pieces. Uh, you got guys like Luke Keekley and a lot of other guys that they lost on defense. Cam Newton's gone. Uh, and McCaffrey's contract, by the time they're ready to contend again, it'll be probably just about up. And looking at it currently, they're easily the fourth best team in the NFC South. Uh, so just looking at a perspective of what have you done for me and not what are you going to do for me, I don't think he should have gotten paid yet. I think he was about a year away from getting paid. You know, I, I love this deal for McCaffrey, but in terms of the Carolina Panthers, I really don't like it. I know, like, you saw Zeke get paid early. You saw Todd Gurley get paid early. But I think, you know, I think a lot of teams are going to look at the Todd Gurley situation as, like, a precursor for not, not paying running backs early. But I think, you know, Todd Gurley came with some previous health risk. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey, as far as I know, doesn't have any ailments, hasn't had any surgeries as far as I know. But, you know, the way he mm -hmm. plays is completely different as well. Uh, Todd Gurley was a banger in college. He's a banger. He was a banger in NFL. Ezekiel Elliott – is known for being a banger, and he pre he presents a different skill set. He can run between the tackles. He can hit the outside, but he also can play in the slot. I think if if you could, if you remove Christian McCaffrey from running back and made him a receiver only, I think he'd still be one of the best slot receivers in the game. That's just how versatile he is. So he brings you know he brings production from from two different positions essentially. You know, in his first three seasons, he has the second most catches in league history behind only Michael Thomas. He even has more catches than Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. You know, they're reception machines. So this shows just how much they've relied on him in his first three seasons. But, you know, for like I said, for McCaffrey, I love the deal. You know, he reset the you know, reset the market in terms of highest annual salary for a running back. But, you know, as a team, as the Carolina Panthers, you know, they really didn't have another – they really didn't have another choice. I mean, what were you going to do had you not paid McCaffrey? Were you going to try to uh, – were you going to try to get another running back after his contract was up? You know, that's something I've seen teams do, but I didn't think it was wise considering, you know, the amount of offense he accounted for last year for the Panthers. And I think he's going to be an even bigger part of the offense this year with the way Teddy Bridgewater plays. Teddy Bridgewater really doesn't throw the ball downfield. And, you know, McCaffrey, McCaffrey himself, excuse me, he made, a, he made a killing off catching short passes last year. And I think that's right up Teddy Bridgewater's alley. So I think those reception numbers might even go up again next year. So I think, you know, in terms of, you know, McCaffrey, like I said, it was a great deal for him because you know he reset the running back market. He's getting, he's getting paid what he what he deserves, and I think that's what Le'Veon Bell was actually looking for. You know, he was such a big part of the the running and the receiving game that you know he expected to get paid, you know, like that. And ultimately, you know, he didn't get his contract, the contract that he ultimately wanted, but he still got a nice size contract. But you know, those guys had similar games in a way, and they they wanted to be compensated that way. But from a team standpoint, I understand not paying the running back position, you know, that much money because those guys can be found, you know, or you can go by committee. And like you said, last time a team won a Super Bowl with a running back with 2,000 scrimmage yards, it was 97. And only 300 of that was receiving. So, you know, I understand the history and the, you know, and the logic of the situation. And so, you know, as a team, you know, I don't understand paying a running back $16 million, but 
he accounts for a lot of your offense. You know, how if you didn't pay him, you know, a couple of years, how are you going to replace that production? You know, and the same thing is kind of with Derrick Henry. You know, he's a, you know, he doesn't really catch passes out of the backfield. I don't know if that's by design or if it's by skill set because I don't really watch Titans games as much. But, you know, he accounted for a lot of y'all, for the offense down the stretch. So, you know, what do you do without him? Do you not, do you try to replace him? Or can you replace his production the way he plays for their team? You know, so, you know, it's, it's more of a love-hate thing for me. Like I said, I love it for McCaffrey, and I, I kind of don't like it for the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, I'm not knocking McCaffrey either. Like I said, I'm a fan of him. I'm a fan of his game. I'm happy he got paid. I just don't think he should have been the guy to break the, you know, break the market for running backs. Because, like I said, and I mean, even with the guys you mentioned, like Zeke or like Todd Gurley, even Le'Veon Bell, when they were, you know, the primary forces on their teams, they were winning. Like even Todd Gurley got his team to a Super Bowl. He had an MVP-worthy season. But McCaffrey, he just hasn't elevated the Panthers to that level yet. And like I said, I think he just got paid a year early. I would have waited a year or so before I paid him. So it'll it'll be an adventure to see what'll happen this year in Carolina for sure. But you know I what? I just don't think he should have got paid this year. With the Todd Gurley and Zeke situation, you know, they also had, you know, average to above or average quarterback play too. You know, Zeke had Dak, you know, Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley had Jared Goff, whether you like him or not. You know, Le'Veon Bell had Big Ben. So, you know, last year, Christian McCaffrey had Kyle Allen. <laughs> and he had an injured Cam Newton. So, you can't really, you know, it's really hard to kind of compare the situation considering, you know, the quarterbacks that, the quarterbacks that, you know, Christian McCaffrey's had to deal with. You know, like I, I've mentioned earlier, I love Cam Newton, but he's been injured. You know, a compromised Cam Newton is not the same Superman that we're used to seeing. You know, Kyle Allen proved why he's been cut before and why he's been a backup. You know, he started off pretty good, but he finished the season terribly. You know, there was even talks of him was him being the better option going forward, and we see how that turned out. He got traded to the Redskins. So, you know, I think – you know, a run, most, most of the time it's hard for the running back, you know, to elevate the team on his own. You know, it always takes, a you know, a counterpart, you know, usually it takes a good quarterback. You know, the Rams were terrible before Jared Goff got there, and they were terrible Jared Goff's first year. But when Jared Goff started to elevate his game is when they took it to the next level. And Todd Gurley was already a 1,000-yard back his rookie season. So, you know, most running backs, they come out the gate already dominating because, you know, it's not really much of an adjustment. You're still running the ball, the same thing you've been doing since you were a kid. You know, you may add some pass protection skills, but for the most part, running backs can start off can start off running running hard and being superstars. And in terms of the contract situation, I think you pay him early because, say, for instance, you know, he does even better over the next two seasons than he did last season, then he's going to be expecting more. So I understand, you know, I understand them getting paid early uh, versus, you know, getting try, trying to get paid too late. Cause like Derrick Henry, you know, he had his his real breakout year this year, so now he's expecting to get paid like that. Versus had the Titans paid him like a year before, he might not have demanded, you know, as big of a contract. No, I'm right with you, but I understand your point. But like I said, for me, I'm just not a big guy on ifs, and like I said, I think they paid him a year too early. They should have. I think they should have waited until they saw what he'd be like with adequate quarterback play and whether or not that team would be elevated. And then at that point is when you make the decision on whether to pay him or not. Yeah, we'll have to agree to – we have to agree to disagree. You know, we both got our preferences on the situation. No doubt. But moving on, man, we still sticking with the NFL here and we're talking about, player, you know, player importance and we talked about how – important McCaffrey was to the Panthers, but now we're moving on to some quarterbacks. Quinn, who is the most more important quarterback to his team, Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes? All right, bro. I already know the easy argument is, you know, what would the team be without the player? But looking at Patrick Mahomes, he's only started two years in the league full time, and you could easily – say that if it weren't for D4's boneheaded offsides call, once again, the NFL can be altered with one play. 
But if you remember that play against the Patriots last year, if it wasn't for that, Patrick Mahomes could easily have two Super Bowl wins right now. But just looking at Patrick Mahomes and the impact he's had on that team, Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches we've ever seen in the NFL. But he couldn't win the championship in 20 years of coaching until Mahomes was his quarterback. And looking at it from the Chiefs franchise point of view, their last Super Bowl win was in 1969. That was before the league was even called the NFL. It was still the AFL. Mahomes literally revolutionized the Chiefs offense to where now they're the equivalent of the Warriors on turf. And if you need proof, check them out. After the Chiefs were down 24-0 this year in the division round against the Texans in the second quarter, and they finished that game with 51 points. And to me, I've told you this before, Lamar Jackson, is he's once again proven that he's vulnerable and can be exposed in the playoffs. I'll start with last year's example first against the Chargers. For one, this dude only had three pass attempts in the first half as a quarterback. Three. Then he had two early fumbles that they were lucky to recover. And then the third one, his running back finally fumbled, so they were bound to just lose the ball to begin with. And then he couldn't get a pass, a drive past midfield until the third quarter of that game. And that was when the Chargers fumbled on their own 21-yard line. And even then, he only managed to get six yards and a field goal. And then moving to this year, you hear all this talk, you know, well, Lamar Jackson did all he could against the Titans. It wasn't his fault they lost. But looking back at that game, one, he had a 63.2 quarterback rating. The Ravens' first drive, you know, um, he threw to Mark Andrews. It was a high pass, once again, not accurate. It went off Mark Andrews' hands and right into Kevin Byers. And then on the return, he gets an unnecessary roughness penalty and costs them another 15 yards. And what the Titans do? Touchdown. Next drive comes right down. Ravens get stopped. Lamar Jackson tried a quarterback run on fourth and one. What the Titans do? 45-yard bomb to uh, was it Khalif Raymond. Uh, and they were up 14-0. Mind you, uh, the Ravens game already isn't built to play from behind. And then first possession, the second half, he get finally gets down to the red zone. But instead of kicking the field goal, they decide it's better to go for another fourth down. And what does Lamar Jackson do? Stopped again. So at this point, you know, they're down 21-6. You know, they're still in the ball game. 21-6, you just need two touchdowns. Lamar Jackson held down to the ball too long and got strip-sacked by Jarrell Casey. So at this point, Patrick Mahomes is more important based off the fact that in the big games, in the big moments, he shows up. And the way that he's revolutionized the Chiefs to take that next step to where they're consistently Super Bowl contenders, that's the reason that I have him being more important to his team than Lamar Jackson. All the points you made were extremely valid, and I agree with them, but I have to disagree on the importance factor. So if you take a look, you know, at the at the Kansas City Chiefs before before Patrick Mahomes became a starter. So you're looking at, you know, with Alex Smith, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey, you're looking at 2016 and 2017. In 2016, Alex Smith and the Kansas City Chiefs had a record of eleven and four. And in 2017, they had a record of nine and six. They made the playoffs both years. You know, Patrick Mahomes comes in and, you know, he takes them over the top. But, you know, my thing is, you know, that team already had success and that team was already essentially built, you know, before Patrick Mahomes got there with, in terms of offensive talent. Now, defense, they've had an overhaul in terms of defense. So I don't think that's all Patrick Mahomes. You know, even last year, you know, like I said, they came one play away from going to the Super Bowl and possibly winning. Uh, in, in Patrick Mahomes' first year as a starter, but, you know, in the offseason they didn't, but they didn't get it done ultimately. And they all, they added Frank Clark and they added Tyra Matthew and some other guys. And so you know, 
the reason that team won the Super Bowl is not all on Patrick Mahomes because, as you can recall, in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes was looking real pedestrian for the first three and a half quarters. And, and even now, I don't still don't believe he should have been Super Bowl MVP. I think that belongs to Damian Williams, but that's another discussion. So I think, you know, Alex Smith was still getting to the playoffs, you know, with, with a similar core, a similar core of players. But when we know when it comes to Lamar Jackson, I think the Ravens went like three, four straight years without making the playoffs. You know, Lamar Jackson's first year, you know, uh, he started with the last seven games, you know, with and the team was, was constructed entirely different. So they kind of threw him in the fire with a team that wasn't constructed for him. And now you see when they did, they completely overhauled the next year, you know, added Mark Andrews, you know, added Mark Ingram. Uh, they drafted uh, Hollywood Brown, you know, so, you know, they, they completely tailored their offense to him and that team to him. And you can see, you know, what happened until they had the mistake in the playoffs. If you take Lamar Jackson away, you know, from the Ravens, they go from being 14-2 to two to being 5-11, and 6-10, even with all the defensive talent and offensive talent because of the way their team is constructed for him. You took Patrick Mahomes away for a few games, and, they and you know, Matt Moore almost beat the Vikings. I don't know if you remember that game or not, but that Matt Moore almost beat the Vikings. You put Alex Smith on this team again, they maybe not they might they may not win the Super Bowl, but they're gonna make it to the playoffs like it did in years previous. So I think that alone, you know, that vaults that makes Lamar, you know, more more important to his team than Patrick Mahomes is to his. I don't know, bro. Isn't football all about winning championships though? Absolutely. It like is, what bro. what good what good does it do to go fourteen to two in the regular season if you just not gonna show up in the playoffs? Like even last year they went ten and six and what did he do? Didn't show up in the playoffs. Like that's the equivalent of James Harden. Year in, year out, MVP type regular season. Disappears in the playoffs. At that point, like that's why it's more important to me to have a quarterback that's gonna get me over the top and that's gonna get me a championship. Like that's that's ultimately what your job is, is to rally your teammates for the ultimate goal, and Lamar just hasn't done that yet. Like, I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm a fan of Lamar Jackson, but it just remains to be seen. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring you a basketball analogy here. So say you said the you said the, the Kansas City Chiefs were like the Golden State Warriors. So I would call, yeah. Patrick, I would call Patrick Mahomes Steph Curry, right? I'll say, right. So, take, so take Steph Curry off the already talented Warriors – and replace him with an above average point guard. Think, think. Give me an above average point guard. Can you think of one just off the top Man. of your head? Off top of my head, <laughs> let me see. I don't know. Uh, uh Mike Conley. <laughs> okay, take Mike Conley and put him on the Golden State Warriors. They, okay. of course, they're not gonna win it. Of course, they're not gonna win the NBA Finals, but they'll probably get to the playoffs. So take Pat Mahomes off the Kansas City Chiefs and replace him with an above average to above average quarterback, and they'll probably make the playoffs, but they're not going to win anything. But take Lamar Lamar Jackson off the Ravens, and what is that team? Okay, think about, but what's think the about, similarity between think both about, of those think, teams? Okay, think about Lamar not winning the Super Bowl. Think about Lamar Jackson in terms of Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> I'm just going to use him for an example. Take Giannis off the Bucks, and what are the Bucks? The Bucks are tailored for Giannis' skill set. Take Giannis off the books and think about what the books are. They're a lottery team. Take Lamar Jackson off the uh, off the off the current Baltimore Ravens and guess what they are? They're probably going to be like four and twelve, five and eleven. But versus the Chiefs, who are going to make it to the playoffs, but they may not win anything, but they're still making it to the playoffs on the list. Once again, though, is your goal to make the playoffs or is your goal to win the Super Bowl? It's to win the Super Bowl nine times, ten times All out right, of ten. Man. All right, then. And Lamar Jackson can't even win a playoff game. Listen, man. Lamar Jackson. He gets exposed. He gets exposed every year in the playoffs. He's played 25. He started 25 games, right? Regular season, yep. Well, well, no. He only started seven year one, remember? And he started all 16 in year two. So, that's 25. Okay, you including the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. That's 25 starts. Pat Mahomes started the entire regular season. In 2018, it's 16, plus the divisional round and the AFC Championship game. That's 18. Add another 18 this year. That's 36 starts. That's nine more starts. That's more. That's nine more games of experience. 
Okay. So what it's I'm still saying more important than Lamar Jackson. Listen, no, <laughs> but you're not under. I feel like you purposely missing my point. I understand. I understand it. I understand the championship aspect, but it's just like I would say, like a LeBron James led team. Like, okay, say for okay, take the take the Lakers right now, or take the Lakers from last year. Take LeBron off their team, and what are they? <laughs> a lottery a, pick. A lottery team. Okay, a lottery team. But they didn't win. But okay, even with LeBron James, they didn't win anything last year. They weren't in a position to make the playoffs. But he got hurt, of course. But they were, were in position to make the playoffs. So take LeBron off the team, like you said, there'll be a lottery. Take Lamar Jackson off the Ravens, and what are they? They're four. In the, they're in contention, probably for the number one ten, for the number one pick. But take Pat Mahomes off the Chiefs, and they're probably may go to the playoffs, so they may just miss the playoffs. Like I said, bro, when I take importance into account, it's not whether or not you give me to the playoffs or a lottery pick. It's whether or not you elevate my team to a championship level. And Lamar Jackson has not done that. When you, when you, t- when when the day comes that a Super Bowl isn't more valuable than getting to the playoffs, let me know. Okay, so keep that same energy when we have a Jordan Lebron debate. I'm glad that you said I'm gonna keep that in my. I'm gonna put that in my mental notes that you said that going to the championship game is not shouldn't be praised more than winning the championship. I'm gonna keep that in my mind. So next time you say that, I'm gonna bring this up. I'm gonna bring this exact discussion up. <laughs> this ain't about basketball right now, bro. This football. Oh uh, no, I don't want to hear none of that. We talking about championship. A championship is a championship. So I'm glad you brought that up. You just put you dug yourself a hole. Football and basketball can't be compared. They two different sports. I don't want to hear that. We're already talking about that, bro. We talking about champ. <laughs> we talking about championships. We got to keep that same energy. We talking time. about NFL championships. Man, bro, let's move really, on. Alex Smith gonna win you a Super Bowl? Man, let's move on to another topic, man. Listen, let's move on to another topic. <laughs> Listen, the NFL draft is next Thursday, and uh, you know, it's been a lot of talk between two quarterbacks. You know, everybody knows Joe Burrow's going one, unless something unforeseen happens, he's going number one. You know, and those next two quarterbacks, there's more of a discussion over the next two quarterbacks. Next two attack of Aloha and Justin Herbert. Quinn, who's the safer draft pick for you? Tua or Justin Herbert? All right, so there's no doubt that Tua is clearly the more talented quarterback. But for the sake of this argument, we're we're clearly discussing which one is safer. And going off that alone, I mean, it's clearly Justin Herbert because the Dolphins, you know, reportedly, it was almost a lock for him to go to them at number five. But they've been having doubts about Tua's injuries, uh, you know, with the coronavirus. They haven't been able to have him in uh, to be examined by their doctors and to get a physical. So now that that's the situation, um, you know, injuries and medical medical concerns are more highlighted now. And just going off of that, you know, typically when quarterbacks have injury problems in college, it carries over to the NFL. And, you know, Tua has yet to show that he's able to not hold on to the ball too long and protect his body better. Because even aside from the Mississippi State injury, uh, when they played us last year, Tennessee, he held on to the ball too long and tried to run outside the pocket. And he ended up taking a hit and suffering an ankle injury. Uh, So just taking those little things into account, and if you're a front office and your your you know your job security is on the fence, you're thinking about which pick is safer in terms of you know keeping your job safe. And looking at that alone, Justin Herbert has to be the safer pick. You know he has the talent, the arm talent. He has some athletic ability. He can run around a little bit. Um, and while it's to a way lesser degree than Tua, you know he has availability. So I believe with that, Justin Herbert is the safer draft pick over Tua. If you're using conventional wisdom, then of course you go with Justin Herbert. But when you're picking this high in the draft, you're not looking for a safe pick. You're looking for somebody that's going to change your franchise. And Tua gives you more of an ability to change your fran- the fortunes of your franchise going forward. Do you want consistency and in being injured, or do you want inconsistency and in being healthy? Give me consistency and, you know, generational arm talent and add a little bit. I'll take the little injuries with it. And, you know, 
and we'll roll the dice out. I think, you know, like I said, picking early in the draft, bro, you're not looking for no safe pick. You got the number five pick. You're not trying to be safe with that pick. You're trying to knock it out the park. You're trying to you're trying to get a home run. You need somebody that's going to truly change the, the fortunes and the course of your franchise going forward. And I don't think Justin Herbert can do that the way Tua can. And like Tua said in the interview, he's like, this is football. It's not bad, Minton. So you're going to get hurt. Some guys have more luck than others. If you look at Tom Brady, the only injury we had was an ACL back in maybe 2009, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Other than that, he's been uh, relative. Oh, eight. Oh, eight. Oh, eight. Yeah. Other, other than that, he's been relatively healthy. He's been healthy the rest of his career. So, you know, okay, say, for instance, Tua has to sit out this upcoming season, but he has no injury history going forward. Then look what you got. You got a franchise changer right there. You got a guy that might lead you to several Super Bowls. Versus Justin Herbert, uh, who's you know at times he struggled against uh, better competition. You know I was I was watching I was going back and watching you know uh, it was Washington versus Oregon, and you know Justin Herbert struggled in that game and against you know Auburn in the first game he struggled in the game against the big teams he kind of struggled you know with off the script plays you know he didn't play his best football you know Tua played his best football against you know some of the best teams think about when he was a true freshman came in the championship game and delivered against Georgia. Uh, say what you want about the game against uh, LSU last year, but Tua played well considering he was only about 60 70% with one leg. He played extremely well in that game, you know, minus the turnovers, of course. But, you know, when Tua, when it's been time, you know, Tua stepped up. And, you know, he's – I don't want a safe pick with the number five pick, man. I want somebody I think is going to change my franchise. You got to take some chances in the NFL. The teams that take chances win ball games. Think about the Kansas City Chiefs. They took a chance on Patrick Mahomes. And look what Patrick Mahomes has done. You know, Patrick Mahomes had some, had some inconsistency issues, but he had a mega arm. And look what that's done for him. You know, I'm pretty sure that was – at the time, I don't remember much draft coverage from that time, but at that time I'm pretty sure there were some questions about, you know, Patrick Mahomes' ability to play the quarterback position at a high level. And look how this turned out. You know, I wouldn't let know some injury history. I wouldn't let that – I wanted to deter me from getting a quarterback that could potentially win me Super Bowls. Yeah, but this isn't just some injury history. Like, Tua's had surgery on both ankles, and he had that freak hip injury last season. And all we have to go off of right now is a little 10-second video he showed where he was throwing with some cones. Like, we haven't seen Tua play football in nearly, like, what, like, six months I think and like when you look at it from a team perspective yes you can go off the fact that these other these Alabama doctors you know have said two is healthy but if your doctors haven't had the chance to look at them himself and you know run them through some tests and you know pass a proper physical then that's a huge risk you're taking like you said number five pick the question was the safer draft pick and if you have a guy with this many medical concerns and you don't even know where his injuries stand, like you're basically going in blind. I, w- I would say this right here. If you're, the, if you're the Miami Dolphins and you pick Justin Herbert and Tua goes to the Chargers and wins several Super Bowls and his hip checks out, are you going to be able to deal with that if Justin Herbert doesn't pan out? If you can deal with that, if you can deal with that possibility, then I say take, take Herbert, do what you got to do. But if you if you can't deal with this, deal with that draft tour, you know I'm not saying forget the injury risk because you know I mean that's a big deal. You know get your doctors in when they when you get a chance, you know check them out, you know and hope for the best. But I'm not passing on a guy like Tua, you know because of some injuries. Like you said, injuries happen to anybody. The goat even got injured for one season, man. The goat. Stop it. Tom, Tom Brady. him up in every argument. I'm talking about I Tom Brady. I was talking about Michael Jordan. I was about to say, bro. <laughs> no, Michael Jordan got hurt during the season, came back, and still bought in the playoffs. He didn't have any college injury history. It's completely different. But, you know, I mean, like I yeah, said, he players. Came back and got sent home. Players get, players get hurt, man. It's the NFL. It's a physical game. Players get hurt. You know, Tua could very well come in and play all 16 games again for every season for the rest of his career. You just never really know. Guys but miss what's games. what's the chances of him doing that? We don't know because like we don't I know said, what they t- Exactly. And like I said, they team doctors haven't even had a chance to look at him. 
do you want high risk or low risk? High risk with high low upside. Risk. This, high risk. This question, high risk. This question was low risk, and which one is safer? Listen, Brian. Give me high risk and high this upside. Question, but this low. question was which one is safer? Tua is not the safer prospect. <laughs> I don't. I don't care about safe. You don't. We all five. know Tua. We all know Tua is more talented. But for the sake of this argument, it was just which one is safer. Man, you pick a number five overall. You ain't got time to pick safely. You need to. Justin need to... Herbert has a lower floor because of the fact that Tua has this litter injury history. Listen, if I'm if I'm the Dolphins, listen, Miami. If y'all happen to hear this, which I, I pray y'all do, do not draft Justin Herbert if Tua on the board. Draft Tua. I promise it's gonna pan out. I promise it is. You know, though, their hip you injury promise? that's gonna. It's gonna be a thing of the past. The hip injury is gonna be a thing of the past. And Quentin, if it don't pan out, you can bring this up. You can watch me for the rest of my life. But Miami Dolphins, if oh, y'all listen, if y'all Miami Dolphins, if y'all listening, do not take Justin Herbert. Take Tua. Go with your good. Take Tua. Take the better guy. Talk to Nick Saban. Nick Saban gonna tell you what you need to know. Listen to the man. Listen to me. I'm telling you the right thing. Do not draft Look, this man. I just know if I'm in the front office, I'm not going off no word of mouth. I'm going off what I see from myself. And the fact that they haven't been able to is why I'm saying they shouldn't do it. They haven't even been able to lay eyes on this dude yet. Like, what if he has a limp? I understand it, but Quinn, okay. Put yourself in the Miami Dolphins' shoes. Quinn, if you're the GM, the coach of the Dolphins, and, you know, you draft Herbert, and he's okay, and you see Tua go to the Chargers and win Super Bowls, how are you going to feel? How is that going to make you feel knowing – that you could have pulled the trigger and you could have got that guy. He could have done the same thing for you. How are you going to feel? You got to live with it. Point blank so, period. You got to live with it. So why not draft the guy? Same, that same situation goes. Same situation goes for if they draft Tua and he gets injured, Justin Herbert goes to the Chargers and has them contending to a, for a Super Bowl. What's the difference? Give me the guy with higher upside. That's all I'm saying. You got to risk it to get yeah. the biscuit. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying, bro. But the, the question was, which one's the better, the safer draft pick? Not which one was better. I understand we put that in the topic list, but I don't care about safe. High upside. Give me the guy with the high upside. Well, if you didn't care about safe, you shouldn't have agreed to put it on. <laughs> whatever, man. Whatever, whatever. Anyway. Man, Listen, that's all we have for y'all today. We appreciate y'all for rocking with us and tuning in to episode seven of the First and Foremost Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, you know, Facebook, uh, you know, Instagram page. You know, shout us out, holler at us. If y'all have any questions, you know, don't be afraid to DM us, you know, add us. Uh, if you have any suggestions for the next topic on the next show, please let us know. We're open for all ears. And uh, just like I said, we are your hosts. I'm Jimmy Covington. I'm Quentin Douglas. Appreciate y'all for continuing to support us. Oh, yeah. Thank y'all, and we out.